Well, it is it, it is an honor um, for us, for me, to introduce our speaker. So Rebecca Monzo is our speaker this morning, and she, yes, we. Uh, so I. Like, she's my friend, so I'm very excited that she is my friend, and she is the kind of friend that, like, is the most encouraging person I've probably ever met, uh, and she beats you to the encouragement, and, like, I don't even, I don't know how you do it. You're just so encouraging. Uh, she is, like, a living Barnabas. She is, like, a constant encourager, and um, and just such an incredible um, woman of God, pastor. And, um, and I think Gavin was mentioning that I, we think you are the longest standing youth pastor in our district. 13, 13 years, 14 years, somewhere in there. So if you want to know what longevity in ministry looks like, it looks like Rebecca. If you want to know how to do it, talk to Rebecca if you want to feel any kind of source of inspiration or encouragement, talk to Rebecca. Um, she is just such a, such a joy to be around, and um, yes, and we are honored to have her. So please, uh, oh, and you're, you're going to be here tomorrow in what class? In leadership development. So if you're in that class, go to class. Uh, and if you can weasel your way in there, can you do that? Can you sneak in? Try to sneak in. Um, all right. So this is Rebecca. Can you please give her a hand and show how much we appreciate her coming? You even wow. got I've got a light show going on. Wow. No pressure. Hey. Well, thanks, Kim. Gavin, you guys are awesome. You guys have some pretty amazing campus pastors here. Um, I wish I had them when I was here, which I kind of technically did, but you guys are students. <laughs> so you're like my peer pastors. It was awesome. Um, so good morning. I'm really happy to be with uh, you uh, today. Uh, who's excited for Christmas? Yeah. Yes, me too. Me too. Christmas is my favorite time of the year by far. Birthdays don't matter to me anymore because I'm so old. So I don't want to be reminded that I'm getting older. If you're anything like me, you started counting down to Christmas um, on December 26, 2018. That's right. I'm one of those people. Now, I do manage to contain my Christmas merriment until uh, November 12th. But then on November 12th, I let my holly jolly go buck wild (laughs) with uh, nonstop Christmas music, eggnog lattes, tree decorating. Um, Really, it's a shrub in my my apartment because I can't, it's not big enough for a tree, but I decorate it. I buy gifts, and of course, watch cheesy Christmas Hallmark movies. Raise your hand if you have downloaded the checklist. Come on, there's a check. Elf. Wow. Wow. Give that man a hand. 
Those are my people. My sister, um, Eva, and I have a cheesy Hallmark Christmas movie tradition. Uh, we've so far got about six checked off our list and have about 30 more to go. It's a long list of movies. Now, I, you do learn a thing or two when you watch these movies. One, you only need a week to find your true love. <laughs> Tops. So, <laughs> if you're single... I'm just saying, if you're single here, uh, just hang in there, you know? This might be your week. Uh, (laughs) The second thing that I learned is that you actually have to get out of the big city and go into a small town to find your true love. You never find your true love in a big city. So don't, don't go to Vancouver, go to a small town and you will find your true love. Now, another thing that I do, and I started four weeks before Christmas and uh, Kim alluded to this, uh, churches have started this already, is observe Advent. Um, Now, I do this with the help of a really great devotional called God With Us. It takes me through Advent, Christmas, and the Epiphany which for those of you who are a little shaky on what the epiphany is, it's celebrated 12 days after Christmas on January 6th, roughly. It's when we uh, remember the wise men who visited Jesus. We celebrate the revelation of God with us. Now, as we start this, this season of Advent, I want us to look at the promise of Jesus found at Advent. So I'm going to just start with what Advent is Uh, I'm sure most of you know, you've heard of Advent before, you know what it is, but in case there are one or two of you here that are a little bit unsure, um, I'm just going to give you a simple explanation. It's the season when we as the church observe and celebrate the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. It's also a season of expectant waiting. We wait for Jesus' return. Advent is a Latin word meaning coming or arrival, depending on what source you use. We celebrate the arrival of God with us at Christmas, and we look forward to his coming again. As we talk about the promise of Jesus found at Advent, I'd like us to look at a man named Simeon. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn with me To the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, I'm going to start at verse 25 and end at verse 31. I'll just give you a second to turn there. So it reads, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. 
He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we get to be in your presence that we get to dig into your word. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear and a heart to receive what you are saying to us this morning. In your name, amen. Here in Luke chapter 2, we are introduced to a man named Simeon. The Bible describes him as righteous and devout, a man eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And we're also told that the Spirit was upon him and that at some point the Spirit had given him a promise that he would not die until he saw the the Messiah. For generations the Israelites lived with this hope, this great hope that a Messiah who would free them from the oppression of Roman rule would come and save them. This hope that one day Isaiah's prophecy would be fulfilled, that God would send his anointed one to comfort his people and remove their sin. Like many Israelites for generations, Simeon waited. And he waited. And he waited. We all know what it is to wait, don't we? Stats show that the average person spends approximately six months of their lives just waiting in line. We spend about 43 days on hold with automated customer service. I usually hang up. And we spend about 38 hours annually in traffic. 50 if you live in a big city. I kind of feel like that stat is a little bit off because I do feel like I spend more time in my car than I do anywhere else. But that's beside the point. We all know what it feels like to wait and we all get that it can be a really hard thing to do, especially in this age of high-speed internet, Instant Pots and Amazon Prime I used a lot of Amazon Prime this last weekend because it was like Black Friday. So I literally have a stream of packages coming into my apartment right now that all have like Amazon on it. It's awesome. From the moment that we begin walking, talking, and thinking, we are conditioned to get what we want when we want it. And when do we want it? Now. All right. Unfortunately, this attitude influences our view of God and what we expect of him. When trouble comes knocking on life's door, we expect that God is going to answer it right away, that he's going to act quickly. And you know what? Sometimes he does act quickly, and sometimes he doesn't. Or it seems like he doesn't.
And when that happens, when we're left to wait for length of time, doubt and discouragement often set in, and we wonder why God is ignoring us. It's kind of like when we text our friends and we kind of expect that they're going to answer us right away, and then they don't. And then you go, why are they mad at me? Now, this just happened to me yesterday. Where I assumed a friend was mad at me because they didn't text right away, but they were busy. So it's all good. Simeon was given a promise. In fact, there were two promises here. One for Israel and the world, and one for Simeon, specifically. But he wasn't given a specific timeline for either. So he waited. In fact, he spent most of his life waiting. Can you imagine that? Spending most of your life just waiting. What are you waiting for? Right now. In your life. What are you waiting for? We're all waiting for something. Be it a job, a spouse, finances, healing, restoration, peace, the end of exams. Come on, y'all are like, I heard an amen over here. (laughs) What situation are you currently waiting for God to step into and make better? What promise are you waiting for him to fulfill in your life today? There's a phrase in this story, and it pops out at me every time I read it. Maybe it pops out at you as well. And the phrase is eagerly waiting. (coughs) Now, the Greek word for wait in this passage is prodekomai. Now, I realize I probably pronounced that uh, poorly because I didn't have to take Greek in my program at summit so to my detriment in this moment so i'm so sorry for all elf i am so sorry that i'm pronouncing this wrong but it's prodecomai and and it's a verb he probably can say it way better than i can decomai means uh to wait and prose means forward now when we put these two words together we get waiting forwardly To me, this suggests that Simeon wasn't passively waiting for the Messiah to arrive on the scene. He was actively waiting for him to arrive. As Max Lucado describes it in his book, One Incredible Savior, Simeon is a man on tiptoe, wide-eyed and waiting for the one who will come to save Israel. He was waiting with anticipation, calmly expectant, Eyes open, arms extended, searching the crowd for the right face and hoping the face would appear today. Simeon was given a promise by God through his spirit and he waited forwardly for that promise to be fulfilled. When my sister Eva was pregnant with their third child, everyone, including the doctor, believed that this baby would make her appearance early. So my sister and her husband prepared for that reality. 
I took time off work several days before her due date so that I could be uh, there when they had to go to the hospital, so I could be there with the kids when my sister and her husband went to the hospital. Now, from the moment that I stepped into their apartment, everyone was on high alert, knowing that any minute contractions could come and my sister could go into labor. Every little grunt, moan, and wince from my sister caused us to perk up and look over with great excitement, hoping that now was the time. We were so excited. Well, we waited. And we waited. Played some board games, watched some movies, went for walks, and we waited excitedly, expectantly, and we waited. The due date came, and the due date went, and we just waited some more. It was awesome. (laughs) For Spanish people, this is very tough. Tough time. I'm Spanish, in case you don't know. Spanish. The wait was so long, I actually had to go back to work. And my mom ended up taking my place. Ten days after her due date. Ten days after her due date. Not before, like the doctor thought, but after. Elliot Sabella Seren Hardin made her grand and messy entrance into the world. Now, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bummed I didn't get to be there when it all went down, but when I held that little girl in my arms, it didn't matter. It was worth the wait. I think we have, yes, um, that's like her head, the back of her head. It's so cute, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's more of my face, but that's okay. It's very peaceful. I totally posed for that. It was awesome. Can you, can you tell? I should be a model. Like a mom model. Simeon wasn't waiting on his heels for Jesus. He was waiting on his tiptoes. He was leaned in. He was alert. He had spent his life cultivating a relationship with God through prayer and fasting and study. He lived a long life of obedience to God, prioritizing being in his presence. His emotions and longings came through these lifelong practices as it does for us. Through these rhythms, Simeon had become familiar with the sound of God's voice that when the Spirit said, Go! Simeon didn't hesitate. He was ready. We're all in a season of waiting. Maybe you're here today and you are waiting for a miracle in your situation. A break in the clouds that seem to follow you everywhere you go. The question that I have for us this morning is, are we waiting on our heels Or are we waiting on our tiptoes? Do we possess a confident hope that God sees us where we are and will meet us in our time of need?
Are we eagerly waiting for Jesus to come? As Simeon is going about his daily business, the Holy Spirit leads him into the temple, and it's there he finds Mary, Joseph, and little baby Jesus. Now the Bible says that he took Jesus in his arms and he praised God. Now I often wonder, how did Simeon know? How did he know it was Jesus and not some other random baby? That would have been awkward. Here, give me your baby. I'm going to praise God. I mean, think about it. It was common in those days for a Jewish couple to take their newborn son to the temple to be dedicated to God. In fact, the law required it. Who's to say that there weren't other couples that had gone to the temple that day to dedicate their newborn son? There was certainly nothing in their appearance to suggest that this particular family was anything special. No halos or flashing neon lights. And they weren't wealthy. In fact, they came to the temple. When they came to the temple, they brought two birds as an offering. Two birds were considered a poor person's offering. So by all accounts, this family didn't look anything like the kind of family that a great warrior king, that so many Jews were expecting would come from. And yet Simeon knew that this little baby was the Messiah. The one who would comfort Israel and save the world. But how did he know? Where did that confidence come from? I think he knew because in his season of waiting, he pursued God with everything. He grew to know him deeply, to know his character. He knew that God was faithful and that he could be trusted. So when the Spirit led him to this poor couple dressed in plain coarse garments of the lower class with their newborn son, he grabbed hold and he praised God. Do we trust Jesus? Do we live in confident hope? knowing that he is faithful. As I was preparing this message, I came across a question that I thought was kind of profound. How do we expectantly wait for God without expectations? How do we expectantly wait for God without expectations? Now, we could spend a lot of time unpacking this, but I think that it comes down to two things, ultimately. The first is trust, and the second is the sureness of who God is. Trust and the sureness of who God is. Sometimes the fulfillment of the promise or the way that stuff gets worked out in our lives doesn't look like what we imagine it to look like. When that happens, it leaves us either disappointed, disappointed that we didn't get that job or that spouse or that outcome, or it can cause us to miss what God has put right in front of us because we're looking for something different. Simeon expected that God was going to fulfill his promise. He knew God's character. He knew that he was faithful. He knew that he could be trusted. But he had no expectations on what that was going to look like. 
He had no expectations on how God was going to work the promise out in his life. He just trusted God. He waited expectantly without expectations. Students, we are not just waiting for what God will do for us. We are waiting for God himself. Period. We are waiting for God himself. In whatever situation that we are facing in this moment, it's not about how it's going to get worked out. It's about the fact that Jesus is present in the midst of it. And we can rejoice in that. We can take comfort in that. We can have a confident hope. Because Jesus is there. Simeon knew this. All of Israel thought that they were looking for a savior who would do something for them, namely save them from Roman rule. But what God gave them was so much greater. Simeon knew that they weren't waiting for a political redemption. They were waiting for a person. They were waiting for Jesus. Do we have specific expectations on how God is going to move in our situation? If God doesn't work something out in your life that you expect him, in in the way that you expect him to, are you disappointed? Do you feel like he hasn't come through? Are we looking for Jesus to do something for us or are we looking for Jesus himself? Simeon was given a promise, not a timeline. He waited on tiptoe for the fulfillment of that promise and he waited without expectations on what that fulfillment would ultimately look like. He trusted God and he longed for God's presence. Do we long for God's presence in our situation? Or are we just looking for a solution? Do we long for the presence of God in our, situ- in, in our lives? Or are we just going, God, just, just work it out. Just do your thing. Get us out of this mess. I don't know what you are waiting for today. And I certainly don't know how long you've been waiting. Some of us here are in a really great place. And I celebrate that with you. You're going into this Christmas season with great excitement. Maybe you're chomping at the bit to go home. But some of us here are not in the greatest place. Some of us might be going into this Christmas season with a bit of fear and trembling because we really don't know what this season is going to hold for us. 
what we're going to find when we go back home to our family and to our friends. And it causes a bit of anxiety in you. And you're just longing for peace. In fact, some of you might be wondering, is God going to be with me there? God is with you here. Is he going to be with me there? For the last three months, you've lived on this hill with like-minded people who are on a similar journey. No doubt you've had some pretty deep and profound moments with God in this very short period of time. But in just a week or so, you go home. You're going to leave this place. You're going to leave these people for a time. And for some of you, you're walking into the unknown. I love Christmas, as I said earlier. And one of the things that I love about the season is that we celebrate the arrival of Emmanuel, God, with us, which means that God is with us. We celebrate that God is with us. He's not just coming for the first time. He's here. And he's coming. He's here with us in the, in the here and now. And as followers of Jesus who live on this side of Christmas and this side of Easter, God is not just with us, but he resides in us through his spirit. So when we walk into our uncertainty, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we do not have to fear evil because he goes with us. Because God is present. He has shown up. He is showing up in your situation. And all we have to do is acknowledge it. Simeon held hope in his arms, and we hold hope in our hearts. And that is the promise of Jesus found at Advent. It is a promise of God with us, here and there, in the darkest valleys, shining a light. That is awesome. As we live in the in-between, the already and not yet, we can wait with confident hope that Jesus has come. He is present and he is coming again. That though in this world we will face trouble, we can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We can live in that reality. We can live with that confidence, with that hope. Students, I can't promise you the resolve that you are looking for in your life, in your current situation. I don't know how God is going to work it out in your life. But what I can promise you with certainty 
is that Jesus is with you every step of the way. He is with you. He is giving you strength. He is encouraging you. He is making a way. Advent is a season of anticipation. It reminds us that God has not deserted us, that hope is real, and that something beautiful is coming. I recently read a tweet from Pope Francis. I love it when popes tweet, (laughs) they're so cool. And it said, The word Advent means coming, the Lord is coming. This is the root of our hope, the certainty that God's consolation comes to us amidst our troubles, or the troubles of the world. Not a consolation of words, but of presence. Worship team, you can make your way up. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this or not, but I'm going to be vulnerable. (sighs) Okay. uh, Just kidding. I'm single, in case anybody wants to know. That's right. Touche. <laughs> the moment has gone. Uh, Touche. Well done. I'm very impressed. <laughs> this could be my week, yes. Um, now, I don't usually, uh, if you know me at all, <laughs> Um, I rarely talk about my singleness because to me, um, I don't, like, I feel very good with the place that I'm in. I love Jesus and I know that whatever life that God has for me is going to be awesome. And I'm not just, I'm not okay with just surviving life. I want to thrive in it. But I do have some real feelings. And I do wrestle at times with loneliness. And a long time ago, I became really interested in this guy. And I, and like, again, if you know me, I don't get... Like, I'm not one of those people that's, like, interested in everybody that comes around. Like, I'm, it's very rare. I'm a very picky person. And I thought that this guy was the one. And it seemed like all signs pointed to that. That there was this guy who was gonna, he's gonna come and... And we like, I mean, we hit it off really well. And we like, we talked, it was an online thing. Um, and it, don't judge, it was on MySpace. Uh, and uh, some, of you, 
So if you're like, what's MySpace? Yeah. It was before your time. My friend signed me up. Anyway, so he found me on that. And, uh, and honestly, like he, right down to the fact that he was a firefighter. <laughs> and it's Hallmark material, except it, it's not a great ending. So, um, and the funny thing is he lived in Ontario at the time and then made his way over to BC. So I'm like, come on, Lord, like you are bringing him right to me. But for whatever reason, it didn't work out. But I held hope in my heart that it would change for about 10 years. I held hope in my heart for this. I know you guys are kind of like, oh boy. But I honestly believed this person had uh, come to know a lot of people I knew, had come to kind of become, like, be in my world. And some random dude from across the country. And I'm thinking, this is God. This is a story. This is a Hallmark story. So I'm like, you know, he's not, he's not married, so there's always hope if they're not married. <laughs> it's true. But then the other day, as I'm preparing this message, I started thinking about him again, and I was like, mm, I wonder, wonder where he's at. So I... Uh, cyberstalk him and um, go to his Facebook and he recently got married and uh, shutting the door completely 10 years of hoping of waiting and I became very I was really disappointed for a moment I was like Lord why him and not me? <laughs> and in that moment, the Lord met me. He said, listen, I'm here. I'm here with you. And I'm here for you. Now, my world is not crushed. I was not like in love with him. But... I did feel some real disappointment there. A promise that, I mean, not fulfilled the way I wanted it to be. And yet here I am. And my desire is for Jesus in my life. And regardless if I have a man there or not, I'm going to thrive in my life. And I'm going to live an abundant life because that's what he promised. He didn't promise me how that life was going to get lived out. He just said, hey, listen, you come follow me and I will give you life and life to the full. And I get that some of you here, you're kind of struggling. There might be some struggling with your singleness. I want you to know that your life, like Jesus promised that he will give you life and life to the full. Maybe that comes with a spouse. Maybe that doesn't. 
but that doesn't mean that your life is any less valuable or meaningful. Every day, you need to choose. It's not choosing, Lord, I'll follow you if you give me a man or if you give me, you know, a spouse. But I'm going to follow you because I just, I love you. And I want your presence in my life. And your presence is so much greater than anything else I could ever get. The presence of Jesus meets us in our disappointment, in our anger, in our frustration, in our uncertainty. And that is the promise of Jesus. As I said earlier, I don't know what you're all going through today or what you're going to be walking into this Christmas. I don't know what keeps you up at night, but what I do know for certain is that you are not alone. I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably going to take a little bit of courage, but um, but we're in a place of, we're in a safe place full of people that love us. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, I need the presence of Jesus right now to meet me in my disappointment, to meet me in my fear and anxiety. Maybe you're going home and again, you're, you're in that boat. You don't know what you're going to find at home. But you're just going, I need Jesus right now to come into my situation right now. If that's you, would you stand where you are? that are around those people that have stood up can you lay hands on them can you begin to pray for them can you begin to ask Jesus to come and those of you who are in that position just say Jesus come come invite him into your situation right now
God, we thank you that you are not a God that is just out there. But you are a God that is with us, a God who is present in our circumstances. We thank you that you are faithful, that you can be trusted. We thank you, Lord, that you care about each and every one of us that you see us where we are and you meet us. You meet us in our time of need. So God, I pray for peace. As we walk into this Christmas season, Lord, I pray for peace that comes in knowing you are with us. That we would walk, Lord God, out of this place with a confident hope with the knowledge that you are with us and that you are coming again. And that no matter how you work things out in our lives, we know for certainty you are present. And we take solace in that. And so God, I just pray over each and every person here. I don't know each person's situation, but you do. And so I pray that you would give them what they need this holiday season to not just survive this time, but thrive in it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in our lives. That you are not just here, but you are there. You are not just here on the hill, but you are there, Lord God, wherever we go. And we worship you, and we thank you for that. In your precious and awesome name, amen. I just want to leave you with one encouragement today, if I may. It's an excerpt taken from W.H. Auden's text, The Meditation of Simeon. And because of his visitation, we may no longer desire God as if he were lacking. Our redemption is no longer a question of pursuit, but of surrender to him who is always and everywhere present. Therefore, every moment we pray that following him, we may depart from our anxiety into his peace. And that is my prayer for you this Christmas. Thanks.